Alright, and welcome everyone to Dark Feather Gaming. This is our gaming news podcast, and as always, this is Thor, here with... Doc? And Sasquatch Senpai. Alright, so what's going on in the world of new game announcements and updates this week? Well, Battlefield 2042 is coming to Xbox Games Pass Ultimate. And um, and a major update along with this, they are returning soldier classes to the game. So gone will be just the random um, specialists you have, such as you see in like, uh, I don't know, Rainbow Six, Rainbow Six Vegas, where the classes aren't nearly as important, but classes are returning with it when it comes to Games Pass. Um, so this is being added to the EA Play and the Games Pass Ultimate subscription services when a season three begins in, quote, a few weeks. Um, and this was an announcement made in a blog post detailing the changes in the coming season that are on the way. So if you want to try it out now that it's had thousands of bugs fixed and is in a slightly playable state, here's your chance. Um, I, one of the major reasons many believe it's coming to Games Pass is because uh, Battlefield 1 has had 10 times as many players on any source, on any service that measures player count uh, than 2042 has. So yeah, that's uh, four years, six years old. So two battlefields ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they're hoping to get some more players in it. And yeah, they're also adding a few. There'll be a new specialist coming on the way. So who knows? I, I didn't look at the blog post, but who knows how quite how that'll work. You'll still have your specialists, but you also have your player classes. So it'll probably lock in like a few special kits here rather than just going through randomly. And some specialists uh, from what I played back when it launched, when I had EA play. Um, from the uh, it was like a 10 hour demo you could do at the time, but now it's just the full free game. Um, they're adding a new specialist. They all have clearly defined roles in those traditional battlefield classes. The games have always had as well as they're adding a few fan favorite weapons, such as the XM8 from Battlefield Bad Company 2. So that'll be pretty fun. So, yeah. So, yeah, pl- fans of the original game control um, kind of like the video game version of scp the uh which is also the universe that alan wake alan wake 2 and the upcoming or i guess not alan wake 2 alan wake's american nightmare was it american nightmare i can't remember but alan wake the half game alan wake and the, the upcoming alan wake game they're all also in this universe so nice. yeah um apparently it is, it's a little bit complicated here um yeah, so Fly Games helped Remedy Entertainment co-publish and co-develop the, the original game. Um, so, yeah, but con- Control 2, there's... I don't even know how to phrase this. Um, let's see. They're working with Rockstar in kind of a loose way to help fund and develop and publish the game. Um but while still being under 505 games, which is, you know, on the same level as Rockstar. So who knows how this fucking work? And it's just, they got money from them. So they're going to get a cut. Maybe it's an engine thing. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so it was announced to be coming to PC, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series XS. So oh, oh, not the engine. It's on their proprietary Northland engine. So I don't know what the fuck Rockstar is doing with this game. Um, and other new game announcements, the Bible is available on Steam. Ray. Um, yeah. 
it's in Gloria, quote, glorious digital high definition. You can read each book and story in any order and any passage can be saved or returned to for a later study. Um, yeah, there's also an original soundtrack, um, an audiobook presentation and a trivia section for those who just really want to spice up the night with friends. Um, yeah, apparently the Bible is technically an indie game, so here we go. There's also 72 Steam achievements, so get ready. The Bible? The Bible has 72 Steam achievements. That seems like kind of low, not going to lie. That's a... For, for it being the Bible, yes, but for the amount of Steam achievements a game can have, that is incredibly high. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they reached the cap? I don't know, but... I just thought it was funny. I guess I that's not even it, close to the cap, but it's hilarious. Steam that's, achievements. Yeah, that's like what I've game. So just looking at because I know Plague has a lot. So I went to go look at that as an example on Plague. I have so far unlocked 53 out of 234 achievements. Jesus. So like, yeah, I don't know that there is a cap. Well, get to get to hunting all those achievements. Maybe I'll suggest also, it to my dad. <laughs> hey, dad, let's go get you a $1,700 gaming piece of the Bible. In recent news, um, Phil Spencer opened up a little bit about the recent delay of Starfield, pushing it back a few months um, just because Xbox has, quote, experienced shipping games too early. Cough, cough. Halo Infinite. Cough, cough. Um, he said, quote, it isn't really a decision to move a game after spending the team's effort over multiple years just to get it to a point where you know you're not going to deliver the game you want on the date that it was promised. Now it is at some level because I have shipped games too early. We have experienced shipping games too early. In hindsight, when you look at a game like Starfield, it's taken so long and so much investment and in new IP from the team. The decision to give the team the time to build a game that they feel they should be building is just the right thing to do. There are financial implications to those decisions, weighing what is going to happen, whether it's platform growth, subscriber growth, or frankly, the revenue that you generate when a new game launches. Those are business decisions. You should definitely have to weigh the outcome of those decisions. And I mean, it's kind of like a little bit of a circle, but he's saying that it can cost the company a lot of money and something like this, which would definitely sell them more um, Game Pass subscriptions uh, or even more consoles for people to play it on since it you buy a new Xbox, you get like a year of Game Pass Ultimate and that game would be there for you. But uh, probably be balanced out because it's Bethesda. And, I mean, Skyrim's on its like 17th release, so. Um, Rainbow Six has a new crossover on the way. Um, and it's weird. Yoko Taro has teamed up with Ubisoft for some near replicant skins. Um, so, yeah. Um, Grimoire Weiss, uh, will, Grimoire Weiss will be a universal weapon charm you can put on any weapon you want. Um, who are these? Yeah, no, Rainbow Six has been getting weird stuff because, like, I remember last time I reported the weird crossover was from Yakuza versus Yakuza with Kiryu Kazuma and uh, Keoru Sayama. Give me one second. 
That's a video. But yeah, Yoko Taro and Ubisoft both announced that they're teaming up to uh, bring some skins and stuff to the game. And there is just a, a, a skin of the main character in the game, as well as some fancy, neat looking skins on guns as well. So, um, yeah. And they also teased one at the end of the original trailer, so it's probably 2B. There's no way it can't be 2B. I guess it could also be A2, but those were those were uh, thigh-high boots, so it's 2B. And other news, Dead Island 2 has unfortunately been delayed to April. It was originally due out on February 3rd, but has been officially delayed to April as of today um, or yesterday, if you're listening to this. Um, it's a three month delay about. So considering that the game was at one point completely canceled, I'll take this delay. They also added a few extra platforms to release on such as older consoles so to get more uh to get more people in on the game and here is the full statement from the dead island 2 team on the delay quote we have some important news to share so let's rip that band-aid off straight away we are delaying dead island 2 the new release date will be april 28th 2023 the irony of delaying Dead Island is not lost on us, and we are as disappointed as you undoubtedly are. The delay is just 12 short weeks, and development is on the final straight now. Time we need to make sure we can launch a game we're proud of to launch. For those of you who have been waiting for years, thank you for hanging in there with us. In the meantime, we will be releasing an exciting new trailer and gameplay at the Dead Island 2 Showcase, which will premiere on December 6th on our Twitch and YouTube channels, as well as on the Dead Island website. Developer League of Geeks, who have developed um, some pretty fun uh, indie games, uh, Armello and Solium Infernum, have announced Jump Light Odyssey, which is a um, sci-fi roguelike spaceship fleet colonizing sim. You later uh, that looks like all of the art and assets are to be ripped straight out of seventies anime. Um, so it's. No hard, no hard uh, launch date yet, but it's sometimes in 2023 on Windows PC, early access on Steam. And then for when the full release comes, it's on PC, Xbox Series XS and PlayStation 5. And here is the synopsis from uh, Trent Custers, who is the director and co-founder of League of Geeks. Jump Light Odyssey marries the aesthetic of iconic sci-fi anime with colony management sims and roguelite sensibilities to create a charming and challenging experience. Whether you're interested in space opera, melodrama between crew members, careful resource management, colony building systems, or just one more run action, Jump Light Odyssey has something for everyone and we're thrilled to recruit captains for our early access launch in 2023. Um, the trailer really doesn't go on much about the game. But it looks great. The animation's pretty fluid. I don't know if they hand drew everything like 70s anime would be, but it has that little like 24 frame stutter to it. And Gearbox has acquired the uh, Risk of Rain IP. Um, they've just straight up purchased it from Hoopoo Games. So, well, I guess they purchased Hoopoo Games in the process of acquiring the IP. So who knows how that's going to go? 
Um, Risk of Rain or Risk of Rain 2 were both Risk of Rain 2 released a few years ago, two or three years ago, while the original released in 2013. And this isn't the only acquisition Gearbox has made or been told they're acquiring. Um, Saints Row developer Volition has also been moved to work for Gearbox now after... Fuck, what is the publisher's name? The super publisher there. It starts with an E. Well, Saints Row sucked and didn't sell anything, so the entire Volition team has been moved to work for Gearbox as well. And then um, Gearbox purchased Poo Poo Games for Risk of Rain 2. All right, that's all the new game news I have. All right, well, I think that segues us pretty well. Uh, we don't have anything in the world of tech news or legal debacles, it looks like, but we do have some industry news to mix in there. Um, Nintendo Japan may now refuse console repairs if you're rude to the staff. So if you're contacting them through official sources and you're rude to them, they might just say, nah, fam, fuck you. We ain't fixing your shit. So don't go t- don't go being a big meanie face about that Joy-Con drift that those the multiple class action lawsuits about because they won't fix it for you, even though they don't do that anyways. So. And uh, well, big, and also, like, big. I mean, if it's a known issue, that's like definitely not the like customer service rep or the tech's problem. Like, that's something that the devs need to work on. So, well, being rude and claiming someone is being rude to you is a very slippery slope, especially in customer service, because someone could just be upset and not be rude to you. That that person decides they were rude to you. Oh. I guess you're out of luck there. I would like to think that there's like clear lines as to what defines it, but it's also Nintendo. So uh, I don't know. Uh, they'll charge you $49.99 to give you access back. It's the Arude Battle Pass. So you get like 10 <laughs> free rudenesses. Like pay us 40 bucks a month and you can just. Um, we'll be your therapist too. You can just let it all out. We'll send you to special customer service lines. In uh, kind of major news, Blizzard Entertainment has said that they will suspend game services for China in early 2023. Um, so this is for all games in China except for Diablo Immortal. And this is due to the fact that their agreements, which with NetEast, a Chinese publisher, and distributor, which they've had since 2008, is coming to an end. Um, apparently, they attempted to come up with a new plan that both sides were happy with, and neither side could agree on anything. Um, so in January of 2023, I think it was the 23rd, 24th, midnight between there, all Blizzard services, except for Diablo Immortal, will be closed down. So people will lose access to playing their games online or just Blizzard, uh, the Battle.net browser, uh, Battle.net's application um however it was said that from blizzard china blizzard entertainment china that all the data is not being deleted it's being sealed away for further use um i can't imagine blizzard who really likes their money because they're part of activision doesn't have a plan in place with another publisher distributor such as tencent in the works over there so who knows we'll see or even maybe a smaller one well they'll take a smaller cut so blizzard can have a larger piece of the pie but yeah, currently, without that announcement, 
uh, all access to Blizzard games except for Diablo Immortal in China will cease January 23rd, 24th at midnight. That's all I have because I went over the uh, volition to Gearbox news. All right. What do you got in the uh, movie and TV and comics area? Um, apparently, there are some rumors that Jason Momoa will be lobo for DC. Um, he does really have a secret. That. He does have a secret project with them coming on the way. Um, with both James Gunn and Peter Safran, the new DC Studios leadership, aware of what's going on. Uh, he said, well, I I have to obviously blink, so there's no way I can get out of this without blinking, but you know that it would be amazing if that happened. I'm just happy that James Gunn is at the helm, and Saffron, who is just like my heart, so I'm in good hands, and I think comic book fans around the world are going to be very excited. Okay, so I have a question, though. And and Doc, you're, yes. the, you're the Lobo expert, so maybe you have an answer for me. Um, sure. Would this not be weird since he's also aquaman is or is there some am oh, i no, misunderstanding totally is lobo like a mantle that aquaman could possess i i don't know much about no, dc they are, so they are absolutely separate characters okay, lobo that's what I thought. intergalactic bounty hunter okay that's what i thought so how awkward this is this would this be then is this because like is this implying that this lobo is going to be in the dc universe and connected to the Justice League, because then you've got a character yes. playing. Is Lobo an anti-hero or a villain? Yes. Okay, so yeah. that that seems like it's going <laughs> to get weird as shit. Yes. Oh, yeah. It would. <laughs> and also, speaking of that, uh, James Gunn said he wants to bring everything more streamlined, so there's not a multiverse outside well. of like the next two movies in the bat, the Robert Pattinson Batman trilogy. He wants to bring everything in, so. Lobo and Aquaman could totally punch each other. You know how they could really you some really clever spotlighting could fix that, I think, if the directors were like really smart about it. Um so spotlighting in, in films Spider-Man when you, pointing name. What? Just Spider-Man point name. That's all you need to do. Yeah. So it's um well I or they could just um like when the if the characters see each other, someone just remarks at how similar they look, how much alike they look, and then move on. So just spotlight it real quick. But uh, look, well, uh, Lobo would just be goth Aquaman. Yeah, Space like goth he, Aquaman. He, he's got enough makeup to put on that they they they'd probably have a similar face structure, but you might not tell. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, they could definitely spotlight it if they still looked similar. If they just have a character make an offhand remark of like those two kind of look alike, then everyone will like ah ha 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 ha. Um, think it's on purpose. With the recent with the recent scene in Black Adam of Henry Cavill coming back as Superman, we know Aquaman is still in that same main area, that same main group. So if he is in fact Lobo or even any other character, because I doubt this would be a story if he wasn't just coming back for another Aquaman movie, because we already know he's Aquaman. So it's clear, no matter what, there's going to be weirdness. <laughs> Even if he is someone else. Um, and other news, the creator and director of John Wick, Derek Kolstad, um, has decided to link up with Lionsgate, who just recently purchased the rights to make an original the 90s Sega video game Streets of Rage into a movie. 
And I am stoked because the John Wick, uh, the John Wick series is like legit some of the, just the best action sequencing in movies there is right okay. now. Um, a quote from Kolstad uh, is when Dimitri first mentioned the idea of cracking a Streets of Rage movie, I was so immensely freaking in. And to play with Sega, the 10 year old me is still grinning. So it sounds like he's excited to be on it. So, I mean, I'm excited to be on this as well. The producers of the movie are uh, Toru Nakahara. He is a, a member of Sega itself. DJ to Entertainment, Dimitri M. Johnson, who is the primary producer. Um, Timothy I. Stevenson, Dan Havens, and escape artists Todd Black, Jason Blumfall, and Tony Shaw. Um, Nakahara, he was also the producer on the first two Song of the Hedgehog movies, and I mean, those have been doing great, and he was also behind, also listened to the public to have Sonic's face fixed, so that went over well. So, yeah, it sounds like they're really working to get this thing taken care of. So I'm excited. Also, we are getting a Spider-Man live action spinoff uh, TV show coming to Amazon Prime. Sony has greenlit it. Um, it will also be on MGM Plus, which used to be called Epics. And I guess since Sony doesn't have any streaming services, it makes sense it would go elsewhere. Um. It will follow Cindy Moon, who takes up the mantle of Silk in the Spider-Man universe. It will be called Silk the Spider Society. Um, and we don't have an actual hard date except for rumored around 2024. So um, this is also the first of multiple series coming, coming here under the agreement from the three companies, that being Amazon, Sony, and MGM. Plus, I guess probably just MGM, MGM plus is their streaming stuff. So, yeah, um, there's they're going more with the Spider-Verse. Nice. And Terry Crews said he would love to be in the new Gears of War movie. Which I wholeheartedly support. Also, Batista as Marcus, which I'm for. Terry Crews just needs to be in more stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Terry Crews said Dave Batista is a good friend and we talked about Gears of War years ago and I said man I would love to do this with you and he said I would love to do this with you yes. and now I just hear that they're announcing this whole deal and if it's and it's not up to me but if I had a chance and if anyone wanted me for this movie and for this role I would take it in a heartbeat it's yes. an amazing project it's an amazing game every part of that I would love to be in I can't wait to see who they do cast in the movie and I look whether I'm and look whether I am in it or not I'm going to be watching so I'm a fan right now with everybody else Dave Batista and Terry Crews, let's go. Um, he said he would prefer to be Augustus Cole, which kind of makes sense. And I that's I think actually that's like the most movie and TV announcements I've ever had. <laughs> nice. That's all I have. All right. I have a few things over in our favorite game updates area. What there? Oh, yeah. What do you have over there? You have something on magic, yeah? Kill him. Is awesome. he talking to himself right now? Stay tuned for the next episode huh? of Dragon Ball Snow Rick Snowden. 
Uh, you I, cut out. We assumed oh, the snow killed you. I was waiting for you to go with your article. <laughs> I just heard the ah, and then you were gone. All right. Well, um, according to a Bank of America analyst, apparently Hasbro is quote destroying the long-term value of Magic: The Gathering and Wizards of the Coast um, by overprinting cards. Um, this warning came as well as a double downgrade of the Hasbro stock from buy to underperform. Um, and its stock value fell more than 5% before trading on Monday. A quote from a major quote from the article is Hasbro is overproducing magic cards, which has propped up recent results. Card prices are falling. Game stores are losing money. Collectors are liquidating and large retailers are cutting orders. And I wholeheartedly agree with this man. Uh, this year has had the most magic sets ever released. Uh, 30, 39 so far. And we still have, I think, five more to go in this year of various types. So this includes box sets, digital sets, starter sets, though digital sets are very few and far between. Um, compilation sets, expansion sets, supplemental sets, core sets, special edition, and unset. Um, interesting to note that these special secret layers do not count as their own here since they're just reprints of the same parts. They was, were not included. But I wholeheartedly agree from the stores I've been in recently. Products are not moving uh, to some major retailers just cutting magic product altogether. Like I used to be able to go to Walmart or Target or anywhere and buy oh, magic cards. They the don't big box carry them or anymore. The big stores uh, decided to stop carrying them after Pokemon cards started getting stolen uh, last year and the year before during the, the pandemic. The thing is, I can still find Pokemon cards there. Oh, I went to Walmart, Freddy's, and uh, Target over the last couple of weeks, and they've all completely dropped all That's of weird. their trading card game product. I wasn't the, like, oh, I was weird. in Target, and there was another guy there at the spot where the cards used to be. He's like, what happened to all the collectible card games? I'm like, I have no idea. Turns out they only sell them online now because so many people huh. were stealing them. I mean, they are a small package, easy to steal. Yeah. And they, they, the target in particular, like if you were, if you were crafty about it, you could walk by that display, grab a handful of stuff and just walk right out the door. It was terribly placed. You can still buy them here at like Freddy's and at Walmart, but um, you should, they're like you right at the rack by the. This... Oh yeah, no, I saw them earlier today. I was just there. Oh, that's um, crazy. They have the new, uh, the, a new one just dropped. Um, but they have them like right by the cash register on the conveyor belt. Like you'd be hard pressed to make off with one of those and not have somebody notice. At Freddy's, anyways. At, at Walmart, they're just out with all the rest of the magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and everything usually else. So. By the, uh, it's usually by the like self-checkout conveyor belt line. The Walmarts here, they're all self-checkout. It's it's just one big oh. self-checkout. How do you get? How do the smokers get their cigs? Um, customer service. I yeah, probably. I don't actually know because I was thinking about where the like that cigarette and alcohol line used to be. And that's like in the very center of this big open like it's oh. you, you this is huge open floor plan. And the outside of it is just like a huge ring of self checkouts. There's like 60 of them. And there's one yeah, person our, there with this machine. Like, all of watching their, them. Uh, 
like regular checkout stands too. Yeah, no, it was there's a huge mess when I went in there. There were like 600 people just standing around waiting in line. Yeah. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's there's literally nowhere. I guess you probably could go to customer service, but it's like it's been a huge complaint around here because yeah, there's there's just there's it's all self-checkout. There's no option at all. All right. Well, uh, this comes from Bank of America analyst. Fuck, I lost his name. Jason Haas. Um, he goes on to say the increased supply has crashed secondary market prices, which has caused distributors, collectors and local game stores to lose money on magic. As a result, we expect they'll order less product in the future. Um, he also called out specifically the Magic 30th anniversary bundle as particularly egregious. Because it is wholeheartedly agree. Like these that are nine hundred and ninety nine dollar card bundles with four packs of cards. Packs, so that's two hundred fifty dollars a pack, and you cannot buy them separately. They all have to be bought in the four pack bundle. Packs typically cost between five dollars and twenty five dollars, depending on if it's a collector's with special with special art and special editions in it. If it's a uh, master set, which is one set is released every year, which is I think around. 12 to 15 dollars or the normal packs which are five dollars um but then these on top, on top of that there's also the draft boosters which are cheaper than set boosters yes like 499 599 uh 699 1599 and then 24.99 are the price points the at like my right? local game stores yeah for the various exactly types right. of packs um and the the point of this was that these special magic 30th boxes had had reprints of extremely rare and ancient cards from alpha beta and unlimited such as the fabled black lotus however power nine available power nine are quote reprinted in here but the fact is these cards are not legal to play in any format outside of tabletop because they are proxies by, by tabletop you mean casual tabletop kitchen table magic they no are sanctioned not events. Legal. No sanctioned events whatsoever um, in game stores at all, unless you're playing a kitchen table style match uh, game there. So pretty much Wizards of the Coast and probably Hasbro pushed them to do this. They found a way around the reserve list promise they made decades ago to fans about not reprinting those powerful cards to diminish the cards collector's value. Then you also heard that they gave out a full of four packs of these 30th anniversary cards to all the uh, like VIP uh, badge holders for the Magic 30th event. These cards have no value whatsoever, though. So, well, they gave them nothing. They gave them they gave them cards that are actually worth less, but are selling for more than the real thing. That is egregious in itself yes not only is the price excessively high Haas wrote but the set also includes reserve list cards which Hasbro had promised to never reprint this has created panic among collectors and we're seeing collections being liquidated now that the scarcity value of magic is in question which they shouldn't have because these are literally cards of the same playable value that you can buy from some Chinese card printer online as a proxy which you might as well buy those instead if you're going to play kitchen table magic because they're cheaper. 
you can also just print them yourselves <clears throat> with custom art if you want. Yeah, like how we always played it if we're playing Commander or something. Like, if you have one of them and you don't want to shuffle it between decks, just print off a fucking proxy or something or write it down. If you have that $500 dual land, great. Don't put it in your deck and play with it. Just, we know you have it. He also said, local game stores have already appeared to be selling Magic's latest expansion set, the Brothers War, at a loss on TCG Player. Brothers War draft booster boxes are available now on TCG Player for $107 and set boosters for $112, below a break-even price of $115 and $120. While Magic has a dedicated and sticky fan base, I've been here for 20 for 30 years. We're we're concerned that continued overproduction of cards and declining secondary market values could push players and collectors into other trading cards games, such as Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Flesh and Blood. So it's a pretty pretty scathing review of what Hasbro's doing, and this is on the end of how Hasbro said they wanted Magic to be their first billion-dollar IP. They reached it, and then it's falling with overprinting, and I I my god. The game I love might just end up fucking as a corpse, a shriveled up, dried up corpse. Oh, hey, if everyone liquidates all of their uh, their collections, I might be able to get a Black Lotus. <laughs> Maybe. So as a returning player who's been off and on for about 30 yeah. years, um, like I understand the vitriol about the overprinting of cards. Uh, but it makes it real hype for me as someone getting back in, being able to just go out and pick up product and be able to jump in right away and be competitive. Well, the, the problem is when you have your like your hardcore fan base, they're the ones who play it competitively. They're the ones who get yeah. game stores. No, I, I totally understand. And the problem um, with the with like printing so many printing so many stats, it's already to two times what it was 10 years ago per year. Um, when you're doing this, especially with rotating formats like standard, you're putting you're you're forcing your player base to pay so much money to stay in the game just to have those cards become potentially literally worthless within six months as they're rotated out. Because those really good cards in standard, that doesn't mean they're going to be really good in eternal formats such as the new one, Pioneer, uh, Modern, um, Legacy, or Vintage. But I mean, people who play vintage already have like three hundred thousand dollar decks anyway. So whatever. Well, I am still excited to be getting back into it. Kind of sucks that I'm getting back into it at a time when it's so up in the air what's going on. I think it will live, but probably not well if Hasbro keeps up this. Because like, oh my god, let me. Can I save this chart? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab this chart for you and put it in our chat here. So give me one more. Is it the one that shows the growth of like sets per year? Yeah, you see 2018 was a little bit over 2019. From 2019 to 2022, it literally doubles and we're almost triple in 2022. So back the last time I was active in the game, it was like three sets a year. Yes, it was fantastic. Commander was not an official like picked up thing it's by Watsi yet. It's not no official. One, they have a loosely based team who Yeah, but I mean Watsi. they support it. They talk to Watsi, but yeah, they, they support they, it with they, they support it. But like back then, like no one played EDH in Moscow. Oh yeah, of course not. No. Like like there were there was no one was playing it. No one cared. Like most people probably I didn't even know what it was. I'd heard of it, 
I'd heard of EDH, uh, and like I knew it was one of each card, but no one played there it. Go, Thor, there's a graph for you. Um, but yeah, there were well, three sets a year, and then the core set. And now <laughs> there's what? <laughs> yeah, that's not healthy growth. Like already in twenty, like twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen, that was a lot of cards to go through. Like you're you're going through a lot. You're almost at twenty releases a year, and for people who like myself who like to collect a full playset of every card, you were bought. You were spending six hundred dollars a set five times a year to collect those playsets. You'd still have extra, which you couldn't really turn over because those extras are junk. They just yeah. sit there. You could donate them. You could sell them in bulk for like $20, but they just sat there. It's literally impossible now. Like I have to pick and choose. And so like the last thing I picked and choose, chose to collect were the uh, special Japanese art planeswalkers from uh, War for the Spark. See, I don't even know what set that is. Like, um, it, was, it was a fantastic set. There were 36 planeswalkers from uncommon to mythic rare. I've been like planeswalkers were a new addition, like right after yeah. I stopped playing. Um, so now that I've been tinkering around with them, I really like them. Planeswalkers are cool. Oh, yeah, they are. Some are just awful. Some are good. That's just how all cards are, though. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's. It's become unfeasible to collect stuff. I'll buy collectors. I'll buy collectors boxes for actually open. She likes opening packs. I like opening packs too, but I, I think she likes it more than me, so I let her open them. So we have fancy looking alt art cards, which is great. I think the collectors boxes are a fantastic item, an extra fantastic item for people to be able to purchase along with them because you get special artists to create art for the cards. Really like the uh, yeah. The, the special art and like the full art cards like yeah the artist like showcase I, cards like that just makes me so hyped because in in every video game the end the true end game is your fashion and, and now magic the gathering fashion. has fashion but the problem is that they just kept adding more and more stuff outside of that and like Secret layers, they're fine. Um, the secret, the weird secret layer crossovers that are just normal magic cards, but with different different names, much like the the Godzilla cards. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. But when you just start printing products to print products that have no actual normal place, like the yeah, the Walking Dead secret layer. The Walking Dead was the first step <laughs> in it. I knew exactly what would happen. Like if the the Walking Dead, like oh my god. They are actually bringing those cards in universe uh, in next year's Phyrexia All Is One set. Yeah, but it's not the same. Like with your um, like Stranger Things ones, they had they had cards already. They had the cards that work with those, and it says it on there. The Walking Dead ones don't. Then you also have your universes beyond and universes inside, which some universes beyond will be in Magic and some won't. But those Universe Beyond cards can also be played in Commander. It's just. It's whack, man. I feel like. uh, What's his name? The Green Mile. I'm tired, boss. Oh. 
I'm yeah, tired. What was his boss. name? Uh, Michael Clark Duncan. I remember he died, like of a heart attack. And I read that book in high school. God, this quote is just... Haas believes that the end of that growth curve is looming on the horizon, in part because magic has grown primarily by extracting more revenue from each player rather than by growing its player base. This is... It's literally turned into a true mobile fucking gacha game. Eh. Like, it's always kind of been like that because you have your packs you open. But really, the difference was because you were opening opening a physical item that you could resell. But with so much product, you can't resell it. It gets to a certain point where when you have so many expensive cards, none of them are actually worth anything anymore because there's not going to be a market to buy them because... The buyers and the collectors also don't know what to do with everything. That's, all right, well, I'm depressed now, but that's that's that article <laughs> here for my favorite games. Well, let's see what I've got over here. I've got some Final Fantasy and some RuneScape Jagex news. So uh, in the world of Final Fantasy... Uh, Final Fantasy 16 has been confirmed to feature a second playable character. Um, so in an interview recently, uh, it was brought up that uh, so far everything's just showed Clive as the sole character you can control with party members being controlled by AI. Um, but they did confirm that there will be at least one other character you can control earlier in the game. Um this kind of sounds like a passing thing to me. It sounds like probably 90% of the game, yeah, you're only going to control Clive, but we will see. Over in Final Fantasy fourteen, we have some new live letters, or new live letter information. Um, so some information about what's coming with patch 6.3. <clears throat> um, more main scenario quests, obviously. Um some new side quests, uh, Tataru's Grand Adventure will continue, um, as well as Tales of Newfound Adventure and more Hildebrand quests. Um, there'll be some new tribal quests, including Loperate tribal quests, um, and that will include a new dungeon um, up there on the moon with uh, Lapis Manalis um, and a new trial, one new normal trial and one new extreme, but there were no details about what those trials were going to involve or who they were going to be, just that there would be a new trial. Um, and Containment Bay P1T6 is getting an Unreal trial. A new entry to Alliance Raids, so Myths of the Realm Entry 2 will be coming. Um, a secret new ultimate duty, uh, a new patch for uh, deep dungeons, and more duty support for Heavensward, as well as your typical job adjustments, including PvP adjustments, new custom deliveries for crafters gatherers, and a new spearfishing location that'll be in Upper Lenosha. 
some updates for Island Sanctuaries, um, new ranks and visions, and new item rewards, as well as new materials, crops, animals, and Isleworks handicrafts. New treasure dungeons for treasure hunters, and some new puzzles in the gold saucer. Um, for housing updates, additional wards for all residential areas will be added. So six regular wards and six subdivisions, which totals 1,800 new player, um, new player plots per world. Um, these will all continue to be lottery sale. Um, then some UI improvements. Icons for damage type will be displayed in the battle log and in flying text. Ability to display remaining time for buffs and debuffs in the party list, which will be nice. Uh, and a new unannounced UI theme. So um, they first rolled out the light UI theme, followed by the kind of classic blue and white UI theme that we saw on the last expansion. So this is presumably going to be a new complete washover for the UI system, but they haven't given us anything other than there will be a new one. In some miscellaneous updates, uh, portraits will now display when using the duty finder. Um, expansions of available actions when using fashion accessories. Abilities to cast glamours and dye retainer equipment without removing it from your retainer. So now you can kind of more properly utilize retainer space as uh, extra glamours uh, dresser storage. And that's about it, except uh, in the same world of Final Fantasy XIV, there's now a mod that is released that will let you uh, view Final Fantasy XIV in VR. Um, so this is a third-party mod. Um, so as always, use caution because Square Enix has been kind of funny about it, but I don't see this isn't enhancing or doing anything. It's just giving you kind of a, the ability to look around in VR. And in the world of Jagex and RuneScape, um, Jagex has announced a three-game publishing partnership with Snowcastle Games. Um, so they'll be getting some new games in the work, including Earthlock 2, which will be going on to consoles, and it's going to be Jagex's first foray into console games. Uh, Snowcastle Games um, has made... Uh, games like Earthlock and uh, a few others. They started as a Kickstarter company back in, uh, what was it, 2014, I believe. Um, so yeah, this is this is a good sign. It's, it's more Jagex helping smaller studios and indie games kind of get their works out. Um, and in RuneScape news, Double uh, XP is still going on, and the Premier membership again has dropped. I'm a little salty about that because I'm having some technical difficulties that are not allowing me to buy the Premier membership, which is annoying the hell out of me because it's Double XP weekend and I want my extra fucking keys. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I have a ticket into customer service. When I try and buy it, it just says you are not eligible for this item. Um, I sent in a ticket and a JMod replied and was like, this is weird. I'm going to look into this. 
and that was it. So, <laughs> fuck, fuck me, right? Um, I, yeah. Anyways, um, no one else seems to be having that problem though. I'm seeing the new, uh, the new follower around all over the place. So I know other people are getting it. Um, Time to Train has returned, including um, the return of the protein, the new proteins. So protein meat and uh, protein potions for Herblor, which is helping me get to 120 Herblor, which I should be at uh, this weekend. Um, I knew this was going to happen because I kind of have been alluding to this for a while. So I had thousands of protein packs stacked up and I just... Uh, released all of them into that to get myself the last couple levels. Um, they've also released some new training dummies. So there's now archaeology and dungeoneering training dummies. Um, so that's always helpful. And I think that's about it on RuneScape. And that's all I've got. So uh, as far as the last week, I've been playing runescape quite a bit um because it's been double xp and then i've been continuing to play modern warfare uh but that's been about it um modern warfare did finally drop their first season which has the battle pass and hardcore uh i do like the new battle pass system um i'm i'm salty on hardcore because it won't work for split screen which is nonsense but that's fine um kind of i guess it's just annoying that my wife and i can't like play at the same time unless we play on normal which is lame um wait 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 so i misunderstood i thought there was just no couch co-op there's just no couch co-op in tier one correct yeah no there's couch co-op um it just you can't do tier one and you can't do war zone I guess Warzone makes sense. Yeah, it's it's and yeah, it's, you we've you've never been able to do Warzone. Um, Blackout, you could. We we played Blackout back when they first did the battle royales, but uh, but Warzone, we've never been able to do couch co op. But that's fine because it's free, so we can just put it on the PS4 or on the PC and and both play. I don't have to buy two copies of the game to play on two systems since it's free. You know. Oh hey, I wonder. That wouldn't work, would it? Because I've got I've got the cross gen bundle, so I wonder if it would work if I, we like launched a PS5 Probably version from the not. PS5 and the PS4 version from the PS4. I don't think so. That probably wouldn't work, right? If thought about that, I'm sure. <laughs> That'd be cool though. Uh, but Look, I don't they disabled they disabled family sharing on Steam, Thor. They're not going to let wait. You do what? That yeah, family sharing is going on Steam. Ah. Uh, I think one week into the game's launch. Oh, oh, I, I thought you, okay. I thought you, <laughs> you, you mean in, in call of duty. Yeah. I thought so you like, meant like steam, steam shut down that feature. I was like, what? <laughs> I no, was like, that's so fucked up. Disabled family sharing for call of duty, modern warfare too. That's still pretty fucked up. They accidentally launched it user and user friendly. Mm. Another glitch with split screen. Um, whoever is player two can't do anything in the gunsmith. So um, like she can go in and change weapons and change perks and change grenades and stuff. But if she tries to go in and like add a scope to her gun, it kicks us back to the main menu. 
So it's it's a little buggy still, but you can couch co-op in multiplayer in normal or in core or whatever you want to call it. That's about all I've been up to though. What have what have you guys been playing this last week? Uh Magic the Gathering, Destiny 2, a little bit of Final Fantasy 14. And uh oh yeah, a bunch of Persona 5. Nice. Um, mine's been it's been pretty easy, pretty few actually. Um, I was enjoying the New World uh, recent zone expansion. I did a whole bunch of stuff on my main character, got it geared up with everything. Now I'm almost maxing everything again. Um, then I went ahead and did the Fresh Start server on there, which was really fun because they implemented an entire new introduction sequence as well as they flesh it out more of like a typical MMO rather than kind of like the half move between a open world battle royale style survival crafting game MMO to a normal standardized MMO. So they actually added in the full normal experience with voice acted cutscenes, quests, um, a better questing experience overall as you level up because rather than go out, do a quest and run all the way back to the hub, the quest givers kind of follow you or you go to a new person following it around. It is kind of weird, though, because as they're revamping the zones to be more typical MMO, one of the zones just has literally nothing in it right now. First light is just a dead zone. So that's kind of weird, but it's there. Uh, they did a whole bunch of great updates to the towns to make them just like more unique. Like Everfall was always like a weird fall town. It's Everfall. It's always odd. Wait, which game are, are we talking about? New World. Oh, geez. Okay. What would you think I was talking about? You were until you started listing like actual city names. I thought you were talking about RuneScape. I'm like, you started a Rune, you started playing RuneScape again and didn't tell me because they just released the Fresh Start Worlds too. And you were like yeah. describing Fresh a Start lot of the recent like updates they've done. People either love or hate Fresh Start Worlds. Oh, I take it away from my player base. Just go fucking play in your player base. All all the normal people who don't want to play Fresh Start will do that. Who cares? Let yeah. them go enjoy the new experience. I know at least on RuneScape, the Fresh Start Worlds, after a certain amount of time, they get dumped into the main server and then they open up new Fresh Start Worlds. Yeah, that's what I think will happen here is they'll just be combined with normal main servers and people will go on with their life. It's just yeah. how it is. Um well, it's actually, yeah, no, it's great. They really gave everything its own like unique identity and they're really updating it. And I'm really glad Amazon Game Studios, they went the route of um, Final Fantasy 14 rather than Anthem. And they're continuing to support it and provide great updates. And the new weapons are really fun. The new zone's really cool. It's really large. The Egyptian mythos thrown into the zone is really fun and really cool. Aside from that, I also have been enjoying the actual pre-patch for Dragonflight now for a while. I made my new Drake Thier Evoker. It's cool flying around. You can fly around the main continents a little bit with their innate flying ability to get kind of a taste for dragon riding. And it seems like it'll be a really fun skill to have. It's just really fun to fly around because you have momentum. So you lose your momentum as you fly up into the sky, but you gain momentum and speed as you fly down. There's skills to help you fly longer. It's really fun. Um, I played a little bit of the DMZ mode in Warzone 2. It's okay. It's Tarkov light. It's it's baby it's baby difficulty escape from Tarkov. That's what it is. 
Um, it's not as clunky, but that's kind of to be expected because Call of Duty doesn't really have any realism involved into it, where Tarkov tries to lean heavily on that. So it's really slow and clunky to move around in all your gear, where in DMZ mode, you don't. You run around. There are a lot more like AI people in DMZ mode of varying difficulties, and it's kind of fun to run around and explore. And then I also began playing Pentiment. Um, it is from Obsidian Studios, um, the people behind Outer Worlds, Fallout New Vegas, um, the recently announced Outer Worlds 2, and they have one more uh, Elder Scrolls-style RPG on the well way as well, and they also did Overgrown, I think that's what it's called, where it's the Honey, I Shrunk the, si Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, survival game. That's on Games Pass, but Petanent is from them. It is like a, I don't know how to describe it. Think of like a point and click adventure game, much like classics uh, Monkey Island, but it's all in the style of like classic medieval art. You play as an artist himself. I'm not too far. I'm still creating my character's backstory. The humor is there. I can see it's definitely an Obsidian game. It's a pleasure to look at. There's a lot of reading because it is a point and, point and click adventure game, but so far I've enjoyed it. Oh, I also played Harvest Stella. I was really looking forward to it, and I cannot, I cannot stress enough: do not purchase the game. It is a ripoff. I saw your review on Steam. Oh, it is sad and pathetic. It is Damn. a terrible port. Uh, some guy told me that his controller worked fine. I don't know how. Mine doesn't work, but it's also plugged in. There's an option to turn vibration on and off. I was able to do that, but the controller just doesn't work for me. So I, I added in there, well, I guess it works for some people, not for everybody, but it's just, it was a major disappointment. It looks bad. It's just a terrible switch port. So much potential, so much wasted potential. I think I played it like an hour and 55 minutes and was able to return it. And they granted my refund. Damn. Woof. Yeah, don't get it. It's a ripoff. I guess maybe, maybe if you want to switch, it might be fine. If you're okay with that, but it's just so disappointing from what I expected and what it was advertised as. Yeah, it sounded like it was going to be awesome. I was even interested in getting it. Final Fantasy Farm Sim with RPG battles. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's just it's a hack and slash where it's all hack. There's no dodging. There's no blocking. It's boring. The combat's just as boring as minecraft where you just left click or i guess trigger press if you're able to use a controller dodging isn't really dodging it's just a slow sprint to the side that doesn't avoid anything it was horrendous i i recorded that and i do want to do an actual video review at some point but i'm just too lazy to do actual video i need to fix that maybe i just need stronger adhd meds i don't know Because that's what I've been playing and have played. <laughs> I feel you, dude. Video production sucks. I'm so lazy about it. I record so much shit compared to how much I actually post. 
like oh, i have i have screen recording software that automatically records when i play valor and i just upload that raw fucking footage and nothing else it just <laughs> records mine and the team's voice yeah. there's no intro there's no nothing it's just raw fucking valor footage i think that's what i'm just gonna, just gonna start doing for call of duty stuff it's just uploading it directly to youtube and being like whatever i don't i just just i just don't have the well, time point issues. We, we we have two entire let's plays recorded that aren't up yet <laughs> i know i well the it takes a special kind of person to sit through and watch what you already did to edit it and yeah. i am not that person well, that's why those people who are successful they struggle through it the first thing they fucking do is hire an editor yeah especially those the uh, critical analysis ones because i have to it's not it's not just like cutting and posting it's going through and curating like finding interesting things and doing some extra voiceovers and putting yeah i keep being like yeah when i'm on vacation i'm gonna do that and then vacation comes i'm like <laughs> sit on ass and play call of duty five hours of work for a 10 minute video no thank you <laughs> i still haven't done my any of my metalworking videos or my drink wonder videos. if i can so find someone on fiverr to do that for me for like 20 dollars fiverr's awesome like five five dollars of work five dollars an hour and i'd still be too lazy to pay them probably be aware of the quality i'll get but it's still better than the no work i'm doing <laughs> i guess so All right, it looks like that's going to do it for us for this week. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, all that good stuff, and come join us here on Discord so you can check it out live every Thursday night. Thanks, everyone, and have a great weekend. And next week, Johnny.